This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Got a great show planned for you, but we always do. Hope y'all are getting through the week well, winding down. Hope you are uh, focusing on tons of self-care building in a little bit of joy, finding as much leisure as possible. Those are all the uh, cornerstones of mental health upon which uh, everything else is dumped. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what we have control over. Try to kind of create that, that container, that uh, foundation. And on top of that, everything else appears, you know, but if we got the base strong, it can tolerate some of what comes on top. Look, we're just doing the best we can. Um, <clears throat> you can still hear it in my... <laughs> my throat that whatever's going on out in the world in COVID is just never ending. Uh, I'm so ready just to have my complete health back. Uh, okay. So we're going to talk about monogamy gold standard, still the gold standard as much as y'all want to believe sometimes that it's not. And it really depends on the world you're living in. For some people they're like, yeah, that's all we see. That's all we hear that, you know, hear about, but other people that are out there, maybe in the dating world or are single, uh, on the apps, you know, we're starting to encounter more and more people that are trying different styles. And this is funny. I actually wrote this on um, on my uh, Instagram, in one of my stories. I was like doing some research on this topic and uh, came across an article. And I, I guess I wasn't paying a lot of attention. And I was reading through it. And I was like, oh, this isn't bad. <laughs> and then I scrolled to the top to see who the author was. And it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of uh, articles and work out there and I haven't written anything in a while, but it was really funny. And then someone responded, uh, thank God you enjoyed it. <laughs> and I thought that's right. Cause it's my own work. So I thought we could, uh, kind of go through some of this. I think it's really important. So it's basically about things to consider when you're looking to find, you know, the right relational style for you and about monogamy itself. Um, this is the kind of stuff that most of us are raised with. So this is the relational configuration and style that most people are familiar with because it's what you've seen in your family members. It's what you've seen on television and in your friends, although that's powerfully changing. You're seeing on television and in, in media with celebrities and other people talking about uh, being together, but living separately or um, having an open marriage. And you're going to see more of it in television and film, and you're going to encounter it more in your friends' lives and around you. And as the generations progress, it's going to start to get normalized and it won't be as unfamiliar and as foreign to people. But right now that's kind of where we're at. And, uh, you know, again, we can only find normal, um, what, what we are surrounded around. Uh, I can't even put this into a thought. What, that which we are surrounded by, that which we hear in conversation is going to make something feel more familiar or more distant and uh, anxiety inducing. But that doesn't mean that because something isn't what we're familiar with, that it's inherently bad. So hold on to that. Just because something's the standard doesn't mean that's the right thing or the healthy thing. And when we look at the history of marriage and monogamy, it was born out of capitalism and ownership and sexism and trying to have control over who the heir to your finances were. And it was about creating financially positive relationships. So people wanted to marry someone whose family had money and it was not rooted in love. Now we do finally create relationships in marriage, mostly about love, but for some people it's more about security and finances still or status, but love is something that's more normalized, but it wasn't always in there. So without digging too deeply into it, the, the history of marriage and monogamy aren't one born out of health, mental health or love or care. Isn't that interesting? And that's why I laugh when people talk about any alternative style as being not about love or care. And it's like, well, 
neither is the gold standard <laughs> and it still isn't in so many ways. You know, there, again, the reasons why some people get and stay in relationships and marriages is nothing about love. It's about the kids or the status or the finances or the comfort or the safety, you know? So let's just be more honest that a lot of things we do aren't coming from our best necessarily. Um, but the, but the bigger message is that, uh, just because something's right for the global, the global, uh, norm isn't necessarily the best thing for you. And, you know, this comes up when I do trainings with therapists and psychologists and doctors and nurses in normal non COVID times. And I'll say to them, isn't it interesting how, when we're talking about different relational styles, and I see this in grad school, that if you talk about, you know, poly and open, people are like, oh, we want to understand why you chose that. And we want to look at, is that the right thing for you? But we don't often do that with things like monogamy and marriage. We just assume that that's always the right thing or the best thing, or it's coming from the best of you. And that is not true. We have to interrogate that style and choice. Also, what made you choose monogamy? What made you choose marriage? What do you think the upsides and downsides of that are? What do you think the benefits and the negatives are? We can't just inherently assume when we hear those terms, that's always a good thing or coming from a good place. Sometimes people should be actively working and moving away from those things. So let's not always assume that they're good. We right now are still very suspect when we hear someone say, oh, I'm single or I'm in an open marriage or I'm polyamorous. We're like, mm, suspect. <clears throat> we need to think that about marriage and monogamy as well. Because again, I work with tons of people that should not be doing those things or are misusing those or they're harming themselves within that. No assumptions, you know? Um, cause again, the health of a relationship is, uh, determined by the people in it and how they treat each other, not by the label or the structure, you know? Uh, all right, we'll take a break and we're going to come back and talk about, uh, what are the things you want to consider when, uh, maybe choosing monogamy and moving into a relationship. So we'll break that on down for you. And again, something to learn even for those that are already in something or don't want to be in something. So, uh, stick around for that. And then as always, we'll be doing some, uh, DM. So drop those questions on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about marriage, relationships, monogamy, polyamory, hitting it all. We're talking about all of it. You know, again, the whole point's really just that. I want people to be happy. <laughs> I want people's mental health to be prioritized and centered. And that means sometimes choosing a non, uh, a non-standard, non-normal structure, identity, or path. And, uh, what might've made sense or worked at one point doesn't mean it will always make sense or work at another point. And that's really hard for some of the couples I work with. They'll say, well, you know, when we first got together, but now three years later, five years later, 10 years later, we're different people. Of course, people grow and change and whatever commitments you made, <clears throat> three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, might not still work for you, be right for you, or even be doable. And we have to be able to talk about that. We can never meet someone and at any point speak to who we might be down the road and what we'll need. These contracts, these commitments have to have flexibility. We do have a right to say, hey, I've changed. Things are different now. And I, I appreciate how scary that is. 
that recognition. I, I talk about a lot in my first book, Sex Outside the Lines, that we can only commit to who we are now and what makes sense for us now. And we can only commit to being honest and loving and discussing if we need to, any changes that have emerged as we've developed into the person we develop into. We can't promise who we'll be or what we'll need down the road, just that we will own it and talk about it. Sadly, not everyone, or happily, depending on how you look at it, not everyone grows as a synchronized skater in complete alignment with their partner. Sometimes we grow in different directions, the things we wanted or needed, and that's just part of that journey. Um, so, you know, anyway, we need flexibility. <clears throat> but for those that are like, hey, I want to do monogamy, I want to, you know, bring that into my relationship, or I want that to be my style, um, it's not as easy as you think. I, there, there is some work to be done with that. So the first thing is, I want you to ask yourself why you're choosing whatever relational style you're choosing. Um, because it's called self-reflection. It's called learning. I'm not saying it's bad or wrong. It's just saying like, what is it about monogamy that's so important to me? And I'm not trying to challenge that. I'm not saying it's bad or wrong. It's great for most people. Um, but ask yourself why, is it about safety? Is it about security? Um, is it because that's all you've ever known? And there's no wrong answer. It's just about better, better knowledge of self and the choices we're making. It's about mindfulness. Most people just move through the world with their head down on autopilot, unaware of why they're doing what they're doing or why they're choosing what they're choosing. Um, my job, <laughs> it's like, the, I wish I could remember the exact scenario that brought this forward, but there was something happening. And this is when I was far more active on social media because I am almost completely silent right now because I'm just working on myself and healing from some things. And <clears throat> I was commenting on something. And someone's response was, you're, you're being judgmental and that's not okay. And I'm not going to follow you anymore. And I thought, well, I didn't think this I actually wrote this back. I was like, that is literally my job. My literal job as a therapist is to diagnose and assess my literal job as a therapist in media is to comment on mental health. I am a social critic on mental health and behavior and relationships. That is my actual job. The scientific study of sexuality and relationships and mental health. It is my job to discuss and process and, and unpack and critically analyze. So yes, I'm being judgmental. That is what my career is built on. <laughs> that is like saying a dentist who is telling you that someone's dental routine is not great and that it will lead to cavities and here's the better way to do it, saying you're being judgmental about their routine. Their response should be, yes, I am. That is my job to tell people what they're doing wrong and how to do it better within this field of my expertise. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm here to do. Um, and so I want people to apply that to themselves and to do that work. Um, all styles have benefits and deficits. So I just want to start there. There's no solid, you know, thing. It's like monogamy is the gold standard, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some flaws in it. And we've talked about on the show, toxic forms of monogamy, which we call toxic monogamy. Um, and that's because some people just really run it from their anxiety, not understanding that monogamy doesn't mean you own or control someone. You don't. Just because you marry someone and they're your husband or wife, just because you're committed and exclusive and monogamous and live with them doesn't mean you own them and they're, and they're yours. But we use language that implies that. And that's that old school capitalist perspective of marriage originally being about ownership. And we'll say, that's my husband. That's my girlfriend. They're not yours. You don't own them. <laughs> and But we use possessive languaging. They are an autonomous individual who has chosen to move through the world as your partner. But we do, again, apply a level of ownership and we give ourselves free reign to let our worst out in ways we would never do with a friend. And at some point I want to do a show on this, but yes, our romantic primary relationships would be better served in a lot of ways if we afforded them some of the same looseness and grace that we afford our friendships. We don't think we own our friends. Dear God, I hope you don't think you do. We allow them some levels of autonomy. <laughs> we don't do that with our primary partnerships. Um, so we'll come back to that a little bit more, but uh, don't, don't do it out of anxiety, thinking that that removes all jealousy um, because restrictions don't promise love, safety, or happiness. It's about just actually being with people you trust. And if you trust the person, we're good. But when you don't trust someone, that's when you start trying to apply these rules and restrictions. So if you're constantly trying to create new rules and new restrictions, that's a sign that either you need to learn and practice trusting them, or you're with someone you can't trust and you need to go. But all the policing in the world isn't going to help you build trust. Putting a tracker device on their car, going through their phone, 
you know, tell them who their friends can and can't be. None of that will make you build trust. In fact, it's the opposite. You're still very anxious within all that. Be with someone that you can trust so you can just let go and live your life and be with someone who's safe enough to practice trusting. I will always come back to that. Otherwise, we're just moving around all these rules and structures trying to get what that cannot provide. <clears throat> Monogamy will not provide safety. Monogamy will not prevent jealousy. In fact, it can make it worse. Um, so do monogamy for some other higher, healthier reason than this idea that I'm never going to be made to feel uncomfortable. All right, we got to take a break. We're going to come back and uh, keep breaking this down. DMs, you got a topic for us? Bam, drop in the DMs on our Love Line AG page. Something you want us to circle back to? Bam, drop it in there. Uh, question for us? Happy to hear from you. We'll be back though. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, talking about monogamy, breaking it down. Why do we choose it? Why should we not choose it? What expectations are we unfairly placing upon this label and structure? What are we hoping it will do that we are not ourselves willing to do? We're hoping it's going to build trust and safety because we don't want to learn how to let go and let this person's behavior tell us how much they care and respect us. That's what it should really be based on not these uh, structures and rules, they won't make you feel safe and comfortable. Only that person's behavior will. And you want them to be authentically living so you can authentically see what their character and integrity are, not anxiously having to follow rules. Um, <clears throat> I love this one. Another point to think about is um, don't assume anything. And when I used to run some of these uh, sex and relationship groups, this topic really triggered people. It was so fascinating, people that were in longer-term relationships. So what I would always say is from the door, when you're dating someone, make no assumptions about anything until you've actually discussed with them, are we monogamous? Because some people think based on length of time or whatever it is, but dating is about seeing multiple people to decide if you want a relationship with anyone. We don't just jump right into a relationship. We date first to see if we're compatible enough to have one. And that means that people should be dating multiple people. There's no shame in that. You should not feel bad about that. You should stay on the apps just because you exchange numbers or went out with someone a few times. Keep dating other people. You need to go through de developmental relational milestones with each person to figure out if they're right for you. Don't assume monogamy because a lot of feelings are hurt. When people assume, again, because they've started having sex or a length of time has gone by, that they are only with me. That's not true. Now, having said that, people that are in established monogamous relationships, because all parties have decided upon that, very few of them have ever said, let's also talk about what we define as monogamy. What's our definition? What is it? What does it mean to be in it? What does it mean to step outside of it? When I brought that up in my group, a lot of married couples, long-term married couples were getting triggered. They're like, my partner already knows. And I said, how do you know that you have the same definition? Well, they know better. Why are you afraid to talk about it? What scares you about saying, hey, this was brought up and I realized we've never actually talked about what we define monogamy as being. Why are you afraid of actually talking to your partner, AKA having an adult, intimate, vulnerable conversation with this person you chose monogamy with and you claim to love? Don't you want deeper intimacy? Why is there a topic you can encounter? And I know what the answer is because they don't want to find out that maybe their partner has a different definition and is doing things that they're not comfortable with, but you'd rather what? Naivety is bliss. All right, go with it. But if your partner has a different definition than you do, your definition isn't more meaningful or relevant than theirs. You both need to decide on the definition. So if this whole time you just use the word, are you monogamous? Yes. And that's all that was good enough for you. If their definition includes flirting and sending photos, they're not in the wrong. They've committed to nothing more than their definition. You've never talked about it. You don't have a right to say, well, that's not my definition. Your definition is the boundaries by which you live. And unless you both have co-signed and consented to a shared definition, then theirs is theirs and yours is yours. So if you really care, you better go home and say, we need to talk about a shared definition that we both consent to. Because otherwise, you get to live by yours and I get to live by mine and I can't get mad at you for living by yours because you haven't consented to mine. <clears throat> so go home and create a shared definition. And I don't know why that topic scares people because they're afraid of actually breaking it down and figuring out what the gray areas are. And maybe some of you have been living in them. But we can't hold someone accountable to something they haven't consented to. 
It's called informed consent. You cannot fully consent unless you're informed of what it is you're consenting to. And you each have different definitions. And let me say it one final time, your definition is not the one by which someone else needs to live by unless you both have agreed to it. You are not more in the right and people will say that, <laughs> but you're not correct. So go home and talk about it. Don't ever assume it. A conversation is mandatory. We don't mind read. We don't assume that leads to hurt feelings and disappointment, but it's also a very immature way of running your relationship, having the fear of having difficult, intimate, vulnerable conversations. So use this to practice. Again, I'll tell you if they come into my office and he's like, yeah, I'm cool with sending out photos. So I do. And she's like, but I'm not okay with that. And I say, well, did you guys talk this out prior? And they're like, no. And then I'm like, then no one's wrong. And let's move forward now with a new definition that you both agree to and co-create. And that's what we hold each other accountable to. But you guys weren't adult enough to have done that before. And so no one's wrong and no one is wrong. <laughs> no harm was actually done if everyone's been living by their value system. So work on that, please. Um, so going a little bit further, just like monogamy can't be assumed, neither can your definitions or expectations of it. That's what we're kind of talking about. Like what boundaries are you requesting? But also because we're adults, why? Yes, I will always ask why. And the answer can't just be because that's how I like it. No, go deeper. Again, more intimacy. Why is that important to you? And that's gotta be part of the process. That's how we learn about each other. Let your partner know why the boundaries you're requesting that you want them to consent to, why those are important to you. Not just because that's what I want or that's how I do it. That, that's you're, you're an adult. We want you to go a little bit deeper and be a little more self-reflective. Um, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and uh, hit this point. Do some DMs first. So if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Lovelight IG page. And then uh, we're going to come back, hit this, and uh, past episodes. Check them out, man. We are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for Lovelight and click on it. That's where they are. We'll be back. Stick around. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, y'all, this one says, Hey, Dr. Chris, so I'm kind of in a little bit of a sticky situation with one of my friends. She fell in love with me. Bum, bum, bum. She told me about this. I was very open, honest, which I appreciated. However, <laughs> I don't feel the same way, and I told her that. Now. I feel like we can't hang out without her getting touchy. It almost feels forceful, and I feel like I'm being backed into a corner. Isn't it a little unfair that she's blaming me for her feelings when I'm just being myself? Why do I have to change to accommodate her feelings? I think it's very unfair to express love to a friend. Um, I don't think friends need to have that done. I think it can make them feel betrayed. I think being told that someone who has presented as a friend but actually secretly has harbored interest you know, expressing that causes that individual to retroactively redefine the entire relationship. I work with a lot of clients who have built friendships and then someone ex discloses love and they say, wow, so this whole time, have you been manipulating our friendship? Have you been misusing what I thought was platonic relationship and intimacy for something more? That's not fair. So the learning lesson is if you have a crush on someone, don't try to be their friend if you don't think you can manage that boundary. And if you can, keep it to yourself. The only reason why we would disclose is to try to get it reciprocated. And if this person you know is just your friend, it's nothing really meaningful to do with that. You need to work on holding that back or you can't be friends with that person. But to the author of the question, you don't need to accommodate her feelings. You don't need to change anything. And if someone touches you without you asking for that, that's assault. And so you need to sit them down and say, listen, I don't feel okay with the fact that you're trying to steal or force eroticism or romance or affection. And if you touch me again or make me feel that way, our relationship ends immediately because that's an issue of consent. That's an issue of boundaries and it feels assaultive. So I'm really worried about this person's mental health if they're forcing this on you. If they express interest and you said, I'm just not there, then that's case closed, period. Otherwise, to pursue and to force is a lack of consent and boundaries. That's assaultive. We're not doing that anymore. We're honoring what we're told. And when someone shows discomfort or disinterest, we back away 100%. So I don't know that this person is healthy enough to be in your life. You literally said, I feel like we can't hang out without her getting touchy. That is not okay. And you don't have anything right now. You don't have a friendship. You're withholding, understandably. You are leaning away to protect yourself. You don't have a friendship. And this person is being predatory. They're still spending time with you. They're trying to touch you. They're trying to force affection. 
it's not okay. It might be time to end the friendship. But to those that are listening, we don't want to do that. If you can't be friends with someone, back out. If you sign unconsciously the contract of this is just platonic, honor that. If you know that they're not interested, go project and place that interest on someone else. There are lots of single people in the world that are looking for love and eroticism and affection. Bring it to someone who wants it. But we're no longer trying to pursue people that have set a boundary with us. People should only have to say no one time. And that's when we really assess someone's boundaries. When we finally set one, what they do next. And this person's ignoring your boundary, pushing on it and climbing over it. So I don't believe they're necessarily healthy to be kept in your life. And that's a bummer. Because like I said, a lot of people I work with feel betrayed when someone retroactively redefines what they've been doing this whole time and says, I've liked you this whole time, or we've been dating in my head secretly. That's, that's a betrayal. Uh, there's nothing healthy about that. We need to stop centering love at all costs, no matter what. Honor where people are at. Be honest about what you want. Listen to what people tell you about what they're available for. So as to not burn this down completely like this person has done by forcing touch. Everyone's uncomfortable. No one's needs are getting met. No one's enjoying the relationship anymore. Got to be better about that. Remember, like mental health is, uh, is addressing and paying attention to and making decisions based on how we impact others and what their needs are. So we need to get better about that. This, this isn't a good sign. So um, sorry that that's happening. There's a lot we can all learn from something like this. Um, and it's a bummer that most likely this friendship can't continue because that's where this really winds up landing. All right, y'all. DMs come from our Love Energy page. Got a DM for us, question you got, topic you want covered, drop it the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Give us a follow back. And past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. Bam, there they are. You can binge, post, share, we listen. But we got a whole lot more Loveline to come, so uh, don't go anywhere. You gotta, gotta rock out to that music. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. We're talking about monogamy, all the assumptions people make about, well, we've been dating for this length of time and this is what's going on. So I assume we're in a monogamous relationship. No, you are not until you've talked about it. You both have consented. We are in the age of consent. If someone has not consented to something, you cannot hold them accountable to it. Also are talking about how, even if you've been married forever, have you talked about what your definition of monogamy is? Because if you both have different definitions, then you're both, each of your definitions are correct for, for yourselves. We all get to live by our own integrity value system, not by someone else's that they assumed we also were living up to. Talk it out. And if you're afraid to talk it out, then you have bigger issues. You have a relationship that can't handle a lot of intimacy and vulnerability. These should be conversations that are able to be had. You both or all the partners involved need to all be engaged in creating the shared definition that you all consent to a hundred percent. I don't care how long you've been married. It doesn't work like that. We, everyone gets to have a right to consent to what they're holding themselves accountable to talk it out. We're not assuming it. So you have to discuss what not, what monogamy means, but also what boundaries you're requesting and why. I want the why in there. This is why I need this. This is why I think our relationship needs this. Use it as an opportunity to get to know each other. Everyone's needs are legitimate though, and no one's definition has more weight or value than the others. There's no right way for everyone. And so it has to be an open, ongoing conversation between the individuals. Everyone's definition is different. There's some people where it's firmer, other people's where it's looser. But don't let your anxiety be what runs this. Do this from your higher self based on the kind of partner you wanna be and the kind of relationship you want to have. You don't want to have one that's so restrictive. It shrinks people's lives down and sucks the joy out of it. Remember, your relationship is toxic and unhealthy if your presence in this person's life makes their life harder and smaller. We get into relationships to make our lives bigger and better, not harder, not more complicated, not more toxic. So if that's what's happening, it's time to loosen the reins or maybe time to exit. But at any point, all partners have a right to say we need to revisit our definition or of monogamy and boundaries because it's no longer working for me or it's not feeling right for me or whatever it is at all times. It's never, this is final. Even marriage isn't final. Whatever you committed to at 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 doesn't mean that's the right thing for you three, five, 10, 20 years down the road. People are allowed to divorce and separate. Everything, <clears throat> you know, we're not allowed to, we're not, literally it's illegal to make someone your slave. You can never promise yourself to someone else forever.
just for right now, promising that if and when that changes, you'll vocalize that. Um, <clears throat> something you need to consider if you're going to be monogamous, and this is very vital, is that when you're monogamous, your partner's sexual limits then become your limits. You are limited by their limits because they're your partner. We don't want to say we'll be monogamous if someone isn't interested in sex because then you're really signing up for celibacy. So if you're asking for monogamy, you have to be open to providing sexuality. It is not healthy or fair to say, you can only have sex with me and I'm also not gonna have sex with you so you're gonna have no sex life. That means you are not a couple that should be monogamous. You need to work on that. You need to work on bringing sex back, figuring out ways as to how to make it meaningful, um, or maybe you're not right for that style. But we don't, we don't create monogamy so as to just have celibacy and have no sex in our lives. That's not what it's about. That's a misuse of that. Um, and that's why we don't want to rush into monogamy too soon. <clears throat> we want to actually take time to explore sexual compatibility because this is your primary and only sex partner if you have a very firm definition of monogamy. And it's also not really the best choice for partners who aren't sexually compatible. So like I said, take time to really figure that out. Sexual compatibility is the kinds of sex you like, how often you like it, how much intimacy you would like during it. I want it to go maybe slower. We use our full bodies. We take our time. I can see you, the lights are on. Maybe you like to do it often, maybe you don't, but these are the things we need to take time to explore because if you like it daily and your partner likes it once a month, that's not gonna be a good couple to have monogamy because <clears throat> your limits will be the lower desiring partner's limits. The lower desiring partner of sex is always the one who controls how often it happens. They become the limit, they become the wall, they become the, the, the break. So assess that. Is that. Is the sex you have with your partner the kind of sex you're willing to commit to exclusively for a long period of time? And if not, you need to work on it together to make it a little improved or <clears throat> they're not the right person for you to be monogamous with. Just because you love someone, just because you're attracted to them does not mean that sexual compatibility is there. And it doesn't mean that this is someone that you should commit to exclusively sexually. And that's unfortunate. And I know that that's disappointing. It comes in my office all the time. I love them. I'm attracted to them. I like the life we build, but we are not sexually compatible. Well, then that shouldn't be your primary and only sex partner unless, unless you're okay with that because everything else that the relationship provides has more meaning to you. And that happens sometimes where you're like, but I don't care because everything else is more meaningful. Well, then awesome. There's no problem. But if it's a problem, that's something you need to figure out and talk about. <clears throat> so really sit with that, but it takes time to go through the necessary milestones and, and whatnot to really be able to assess that fully. So give it that time. I know it's a bummer when you find that out. <laughs> All right, y'all, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back and keep talking about monogamy. If you've got a question for us, drop it in the DMs. Topic you want covered, DMs and past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it, but uh, come back and join us. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back talking about monogamy and I'm scared, uh, I'm scared. I'm sorry if this uh, topic is upsetting or distressing some people. It's just a fact of life, you know? And like, we gotta look at the dark, heavy stuff. <clears throat> and I know it's a bummer. It's a bummer to find out that uh, you and your partner have a horrible sexual compatibility and you're both like, ah, I don't know if I can sign up for that long time, long-term monogamously. I, I know it's a bummer to find out that you and your partner finally discussed what you think monogamy means and you find out that you both have a different definition and that you're both right because there is no right way. You both decide for yourselves as a couple what it's gonna mean. Um, I know it's a bummer, <laughs> it, but that's just how this goes. And those are the difficult moments that we work through as a couple and that's where trust is really built. Um, when you work through the difficult times and you deal with conflict, you learn more about yourselves because it comes to our next point, which is um, not only is it important to not assume you're monogamous, not only is it important to discuss why you even want it, uh, what are your expectations? What does this definition mean? Not only is it important to assess sexual compatibility because monogamy is for sexually compatible couples or couples where sex isn't important because they have other levels of compatibility, which mean more, but you also want to do check-ins. And I know these things scare people, but it's called being an adult, checking in saying, Hey, how's that been going? How's monogamy feeling to you? How's this relationship feeling to you? Is this something we should keep doing? What changes do we need to make? How's monogamy going? Do any changes need to be made? Is it feeling okay to you? We wanna be talking about those things. That's love, that's care, even though you're maybe afraid of the answer. 
But these aren't one-time commitments. We commit to our relationship every day based on what we do. Relationships and love are verbs, they're actions. We're either being loving and we're relationshiping or we're not. And that's why I say every day, daily acts of love, care, and commitment of some kind. But monogamy is a daily decision. Every day we have to wake up and say, I'm, I'm gonna honor that boundary or I'm not. But you should be doing yearly or monthly check-ins discussing how you feel about the relationship, how do you feel about your sex life, any changes being needed to be made. And you want to listen lovingly. You want to listen calmly. You want to have honest, open sharing where no one's punished for bringing up what they need to bring up. And it might not always be what you want to hear, but it's, that's the act of commitment is that I'm committing to you to making sure that I do my part and that this relationship is healthy for both of us. And part of that care and commitment is me asking you and checking in with you on how it's going. If you're not willing to do that, then you don't want a committed adult relationship. You just want something that is about avoiding anxiety and fear. And you want to essentially just, I don't know, have ownership over someone, but you don't really care about their feelings. That's gross. That's ego. But if you actually care about your partner, you care about the quality of life that you're building with them. And you care about how they feel while they're with you. And you care about how they feel about your sex life. And you ask these questions. And you want to know if there's anything they would love for you to do differently. That's care and love. It's our level of care, love, and commitment is most shown when we are put out by the needs of our partner. And otherwise, we're just living selfishly and we're not loving and we're not being in a relationship if we're only looking out for ourselves. That's why we say a true relationship is occurring when everyone's thinking in terms of we and us. And there's no, no more just me, me, me because you're in a relationship and each of you impact the other. And what you're doing impacts them, what they're doing impacts you and your mental health's impact each other. So I want you to be doing these check-ins, but it's not just on how's the relationship feeling and going and how am I as a partner that you're asking? Because that's the question. How am I doing as a partner? What does this relationship need from us? What does this relationship need from me? What do you need from me? But also how's monogamy feeling? How's our sex life feeling? Is this still working for you? We don't want to pose it in a way that makes people anxious. We want to pose it in a way that we're safe to explore these things. You do that in every other area of life, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't want to sustain things that aren't working for us, but I want us to be open to making the necessary tweaks and changes. And that's part of the life cycle. What made sense to us last year might not make sense to us this year or five years ago. We grow and we change. And our relational interests, our sexual interests, how we feel about our bodies, all are impacted by aging, disability, injury, medications we're taking, mental health issues, other factors in our lives. We want to be able to keep talking about it and the impact it's having. That's a truly, you know, connected adult loving relationship is the ability to share and process and hear these things. And if you're not ready to do these things I'm talking about, if tonight's topics are making you really anxious, then you're not ready for a mature adult relationship. Pause, stop dating for a minute and work on this. And if you're already in a relationship, please, dear God, start working on this. Um, check out my books, Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love. They cover a lot of this. You can use my books as like a workbook. You can read them together, listen to the show together, maybe get into some couples or sex therapy, find a certified sex therapist, a CST, certified sex therapist, and they can help you work on this. But these are things that being in an adult relationship should be part of the commitment. That's why the marital vows are crappy to me. Oh, I commit to love you through blah. Like, no. I commit to sitting down every month or every year and checking in on the impact we're having on each other. I commit to making sure I'm a good partner and giving the relationship and you as my partner what you need. I commit to being open and loving and calmly hearing whatever you need from me. I'm open to ending this if that's what's right for both of us. I'm open to ending this and being kind and loving through that if we realize this relationship is toxic or not making us happy. That should be the commitment. Not to just ride this out forever and ever, amen, no matter what. That's gross. That's bondage. That's slavery. That's actually illegal. Mental health matters. And anything that's bad for our mental health, we need to fix, change, or get away from. Whether it's your job, a family member, or a marriage, if it is bad for your mental health, set boundaries, ask for changes, or go. Mental health first. So this is part of it. But I know, this quite, I know this topic can bring up a lot because we all want to feel safe. We all want to feel secure. But the true way to feel safe and secure is not by setting rules on your partner and policing them and going through their stuff. It's by knowing that they want to be there. I want people to be there because they want to be there. And if you're being a good partner, they'll want to be there. That's why people should stay because it's a healthy relationship, not because you're already married and it's hard to get out. Okay. 
take a break. We're going to come back and finish this topic up and then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, and past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. It's where you can check out episodes like tonight's. You can go back, re-listen, listen to it with someone, take some notes, binge, post, share, re-listen, all sorts of good stuff. But uh, come back and join us after the break. More to come about monogamy, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. And we'll be right back. All right, well, we are back. Finishing up our discussion on monogamy, talking about don't assume it, talking about you got to have a shared definition. Everyone has to consent to the co-created shared definition of what, what these boundaries even are going to be. We want to we want to look into sexual compatibility and make sure that this is the right person or relationship to give our total sex life to. Um, side note, even when monogamous with your partner, that is about coupled partnered sexuality. Solo sexuality, aka masturbation, is not part of that. Everyone gets to masturbate. No one gets to control someone else's solo sexuality. That is off the table. That is not part of this. Whatever you do in your solo sex life with yourself is your business and your business alone. You get to have boundaries and privacy around it, though I wish we could all be in a relationship with healthy enough partners where we could lovingly be known on that level and be a little more intimate and vulnerable by talking about it, but some partners aren't healthy enough to be discussing that or told about it. So solo sexuality and masturbation have nothing to do with monogamy. Monogamy is about partnered sexuality. And your solo sex life is your privacy and your boundaries, and you can matter, masturbate, look at porn, fantasize. That is about your relationship with yourself, and your partner doesn't get to weigh in on that. Just like your partner doesn't get to weigh in on the music you listen to, the movies you watch when you're home alone, the books you read when you're on your own, because that's your relationship with yourself. When you're by yourself, you can listen to whatever music you want, read whatever you want, watch whatever movies you want. You can look at whatever art you want, including erotic art. You're allowed to stimulate and pleasure yourself. Just like when your partner's not around, you get to eat at whatever restaurant you want, whatever coffee shop you want. Your partner doesn't get to control you. They get to be involved in partnered stuff. They get to weigh in on what you watch as a couple. They get to weigh in on where you eat as a couple. They get to weigh in on what you listen to musically when they're around as a couple because that actually impacts them. So partnered sex is under the rubric of monogamy, but solo sex masturbation has nothing to do with that. And you should make that known if you feel like you need to. Hey, let's talk about monogamy. You said you want to be monogamous with me. This should be from the door. Just to point out, my solo sex life is nothing to do with this, but yes, I will commit to having sex with no other partners other than you. Make that known from the door. And if you've been with someone for a while and that's never been discussed, bring it up. Hey, Dr. Chris was reminding me on his show that I was listening to that monogamy is about boundaries we have around partnered sexuality, things that actually impact you. Just like you get to weigh in on where we go to dinner when you're there and what we listen to together. But when I'm on my own, I choose what restaurants, what music, what movies I listen to and what I do with my own body. It's about body autonomy. That is how we remind ourselves that we have body autonomy is we decide how and when we touch ourselves and in what way and what we're listening to and what we're viewing and what we're reading. So I do want to drive that home powerfully because some partners think they get to tell their other partner that they can't masturbate or can't look at porn. No, that's toxic. That's abusive. And that's actually being boundary less. So you get to have that boundary in place. Um, I love this one. I know this is a scary one as well, that everything can be renegotiated at any time. You have to be flexibly, you have to be flexible about what you request sexually and from your relationship. The style that works right now might not work for the duration of the relationship and uh, changing always bad, although it throws us off, but we can start to ask for different things. That's part of like growth and freedom. I know. And finally, just a commentary that monogamy is hard. Most people actually fail at it, <laughs> but I think that's because of the way they're doing it is not great. And I think a lot of people felt monogamy because they're not building quality relationships that they want to take care of ones that are, you know, really intimate and able to have important discussions. I think that's why we fail. But statistically speaking, more people fail monogamy than don't. We have a high rate of cheating. Depending on where you look, it's anywhere from 50 to 70%. So most people do cheat. And again, I think that's because the quality of their relationships are very poor and they don't mind damaging it or they don't feel like they have a partner they can really talk through things with, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important to be honest what works for you. If you are not good at monogamy, stop trying. If monogamy is not ideal and what you want, stop trying. It's okay to say, I'm non-monogamous. I don't do monogamy. Or saying to your partner, I realize monogamy doesn't work for me. I, I don't want to try it anymore. I fail. Or it's not ideal. Or I'm sexually oriented towards more of an open style. That's okay. But make that known. Because open relationships are about everyone being on, the, on board and aware. 
but you have to be able to have those talks. So if you've struggled with monogamy in the past, maybe you need to stop agreeing to it and find partners that are open to a different and more open relational style. Not everyone's built for monogamy. And some people will thrive and do better in other creative structures and forms. Um, but you have to be confident and ask for it and talk it out because again, it has to be consensual. We don't just make that decision without telling our partner. But these are adult conversations. And again, if you're going to be in a committed relationship with someone, we have to be able to talk about these things. If you're going to give someone your total sexuality in terms of partnered sex, we have to be able to talk about these things. So don't shy away from them. And if you're not ready to talk about these things, then you're not ready for a committed monogamous relationship. Because part of the commitment to monogamy and committed relationship is your willingness to have these difficult but important conversations. So it's never too late to circle back and start talking about these things. I know it's hard. Um, all right, so we're going to take a break <clears throat> and coming up next is, uh, the DMS, good old DMS. So, uh, whatever you got on your mind, put it in there. No questions too small, whatever you're wondering about someone else might be as well. So you're helping them as you're helping yourself. So put those in the DMS on the love line IG page, uh, not in my DMS, please. And past episodes of the show over at, we are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for love line, click on it. You can binge post, share, we listen. Uh, yeah, lots more to come. Stick around. Join us. Uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy. The tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm a lesbian, and I've been on and off with my girlfriend for three years. I told her that I'm not ready for a relationship right now because I'm focused on my career. Recently, she got into an accident, and I'm the only person she has in the area, so of course I've been over there constantly. She now feels that I'm back in her life and that maybe we're getting back together or are back together. How do I tell her that that's not what's happening? First off, I just want to applaud you. I think that's really very kind of you to be someone's care and support. When people get injured, we really rely upon the aid of others. Everyone has access to friends, family members, or support. So I love that you're trying to be available and to be that for your friend or your, uh, I don't know what you'd call this person, <laughs> your friend, I'll use that word. But oftentimes when people say, how do I tell someone? The answer is by telling them. I, I don't know what you mean by how do I tell them? Usually when someone says that, what they really mean is I'm anxious. How do I have less anxiety? And the answer also is you can't. You might be disappointing someone and letting them down. I think that's where the anxiety comes from. You're aware that you both are on two different pages. You're aware that you both want two different things. So how do you tell them? By telling them in a clear, direct way. You have to create some space and sit down and say, honestly, I want to talk about what's going on with us because I'm concerned that as a result of me being here all the time and aiding you in your recovery, that you're seeing that as us being back together. But that's in fact, not what I'm looking for, period. That's how you tell them. And then you have to show up to whatever kind of feelings they have. You might even have to be accountable to some of the things they point out that you've done that might've misled them. I don't know if you were still sleeping with them or cuddling and being affectionate. Like, I don't know what you might've been adding in there. That's always allowing them to possibly consider that this was a being back together. We often do things consciously and unconsciously that communicate that. But, um, how do you tell them by telling them? I don't really know what you mean. Otherwise, <clears throat> um, 
We're not going to write them a little note. We're not going to send them an email. You're going to sit down and, and confront, you know, this, this miss, this miscommunication. And I, I do want you to maybe first look at your part so that you can bring that in and say, Hey, I realize I was doing a, B and C and that that might've been confusing for you. Or maybe you realize you haven't done anything. That's just your mere presence. I don't know, but you need to sit down and talk about it immediately. This person's feelings matter. And the longer you ride this out, the longer well, the more time they have to get more attached to you and to really buy into this. Um, but I would also say if this person's as important to you as a parent, as a, you know, they seem to be, let them know you still do want a friendship and you need to then keep showing up. After we deliver disappointing news, it's important that we don't lean out and back away because then we can also drift. They might go into shame. They might be feeling disappointment. So stay present and lean in and, and show them that you're still a friend with your presence and your continued care. This should be able to all go smoothly. You've been on and off, you said, for three years. So this person is familiar with time away from, time with disconnection. So that's going to be on your side. So I would say to kind of capitalize on that, but stop doing whatever you might be doing that's miscommunicating that. And if your mere presence is all that you're doing, I want you to continue to do that, but you have to clarify what your presence means. And I want everyone that's listening to know we should at any moment we think someone misunderstands our presence in their life or the relationship we have, we should correct it on the spot. Very honestly, very lovingly, very transparently, but you need to correct people like, hey, I'm getting the feeling that you think we're on a date right now. Is that what you think is happening? Because I'm just here with a friend having coffee. I know that's hard to do. We need to do that, which is also why I'm telling people, if you ask someone on a date, use the word date so that people always know where we stand. We have to get away from miscommunications, thinking that they understand, mind reading, because all of that is wrapped up in our own anxiety about being transparent and honest, which is why you're asking me, how do I tell them? Because I know you know the answer by telling them, but you're anxious, but there's no way to reduce that anxiety. You might be delivering disappointing news. We have to learn how to do that if we're going to be in relationships with people. So own your part by looking at what that might be first and sitting down immediately and clarifying and staying close and staying connected because you should be able to be friends after this. And also compliment to you. I'm glad that you're willing to show up for this person. More people have to do that. It's called community care. Not everyone has friends and family members otherwise that they can rely on. So it's a beautiful thing. All right, y'all. That is our show this weekend. Tons of self-care. Carve out some time for that. Put your phones down for hours, maybe the entire day. Turn it off, put it down, stick in a drawer. Be present in your life. Be present with yourself. Be present with those around you. Uh, also, rest as much as possible. Take the weekend off if you can. Just fun and pleasure. We're not. It's not laziness. It's not boredom. It's not downtime. We're not you know wasting time. We're it's it's regenerative. Um, but otherwise, y'all, we'll see you next week. As always, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.